Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Some of you forgot, didn't you? How many even know who's playing? You know? Who's playing? Kansas City Chiefs against Philadelphia Eagles. All right, you get points. I don't have prizes ready, but I'll figure something out for after. How about that? Some of you watch it just for the commercials, right? And you then talk about it the next day at work or, or whatever, and, and people spend like so much money on this. And, and some of you, you actually probably just get together to watch for the food, right? And you're saying to each other, you're like, yeah, I'm running back. I'm running back to the kitchen for some more of whatever that was, right? I'm going to have some of those buffalo wings or whatever. And uh, it's kind of interesting this year. I, I always try to watch it, and it's something our family does. It's a good excuse to get together and to have really good food and, and just to socialize. And so some of us uh, retreat to, uh, to the TV, and others, they, they might watch Dateline or something else at the same time. I don't know. But for us, we love to watch it. This year's kind of unique. I followed it a little bit. What's kind of cool about these two teams is that each team has the same record. They both scored the same amount of points in the season. They both have six All-Pros, in, including um, uh, a brother named Kelsey. So it's like the first time that two uh, brothers from the same household are playing against each other. Uh, it just goes down the line. They're, they're both number one in their conference. And so it's as if they're saying to one another, you can stand under my umbrella, Ella, Ella, A, because... See, it's funny because the halftime performers, Rihanna, and some of you won't get that, and that's fine, so I guess I'll just move along with that. It's also Valentine's coming up, and so we have some treats for you after. We can close right now if you don't like this. Uh, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? So, um, yeah, it's Valentine's Day. You guys ready for that? That's Tuesday, by the way. It's, it's on the 14th this year, and so I hope you have reservations made. And uh, don't tell Kelsey where I'm, I'm taking her. Actually, I, I, I was tempted to leak it, but she's like literally right on the video switcher, so she's probably paying attention. Uh, so I won't, I won't tell you, but, but it's going to be better than 10 years ago, because 10 years ago, simultaneously, I had mono, strep throat, and tonsillitis. It was awesome. I, I cut... Uh, a really expensive steak is as fine as I could, and it was one of those ones that typically you would say, oh, it melts in the mouth. Well, not enough that I could swallow. So we went to the emergency room, and uh, after some morphine, I was feeling a little bit better, and after many popsicles, but uh, we're, we're just hoping that nothing changes between now and Tuesday night, and I should be, I should be good this year. And so here we are. So I hope you guys are, are going to enjoy, whether it's singleness, awareness, day or, or, or Valentine's or, or whatever, just enjoy it. But definitely enjoy some of the treats across in the fellowship hall afterward. So we're in this series and we're coming near the close of it, but the idea of starting lines is that every next step in your faith journey is a new starting line. So when God is calling you to do a thing, it's as though there's a line and it's like, ready, set, go. Let's, let's go do that thing. We've been looking at these four chairs. Dr. Dan Spader has noticed throughout the Gospels that there's this, this kind of pathway of come and see, or someone is a seeker. It begins with come and see who Jesus is. Come and see was actually something that he said to Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and that initiated a whole process of discipleship. And then there's this moment where Jesus says to a person, follow me and be my disciple. They become a believer in that moment. It doesn't stop there. There's lots of micro steps too. But he also, as we were looking at last week, the, the term worker is what Dr. Dan Spader uses for someone where Jesus says to them, come be my disciple. I'm going to show you 
how to, fo- how to fish for people. And so come follow me. I'm going to show you how to fish for people is for those initial fishermen. And we can learn something from that too. But ultimately that it would get to disciple maker. Uh, we believe in the Great Commission. And so we're supposed to be disciples who make other disciples and help people along this journey. And then there's something that we noticed here at Crosspoint is that something begins when, when someone is ready to, to follow Jesus. They're ready to, to get into seat number two. They realize that Jesus is the king. He's the one true king, the one that is forever. And so you begin to love your king. And so that's why we, we say that this transition here, you begin to love your king. I love my king. And then you can't help but to love the things and the people that your king loves. And so you start to love the church. That's us. That's the body of Christ. But it can't end there too. It expands outward as you're growing more like Jesus. Then you start to love the city and it doesn't stop there. It goes beyond to the Bahamas. We love the Bahamas. So we're going to go and we're going to add some relief there and serve. And so these are the four chairs of discipleship that Dr. Dan Spader laid out, but they're also kind of the three loves that we're talking about here as a church. It's a pathway, and what we've noticed and what we want to celebrate is that people continue to have a sense that God is calling them to more. And so just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated baptism. Isn't it amazing when someone of any age, but, but it just happened to be someone who's 84 years old, was like, I need, I need to do this. I need to take that, that plunge, if you will. And so that was their next step. For anyone who has got to seat number two, they become a believer, a follower of Jesus, someone who's a disciple. If they hadn't been baptized, what's the next logical step? Well, we're going to open the tank or we're going to take you to the river, whatever it might be. It's warmer in the tank, though, a little bit. But that's the next step. And so we want to challenge people, whatever the next step is. We've heard of people, I, I've witnessed this, where people realize I have to forgive someone. And so I've, I've had hours in my office where, where I've dealt with that with different people. And it's been something worth celebrating. And sometimes there's private things that you won't know. But people even saying, I need to be faithful with my finances. And so I'm going to either start giving or I'm going to up my giving to where it should be. And so so we want to celebrate whatever those next steps are. Uh, it's amazing that you're, you're going on this process. What we've noticed, too, is that sometimes people start, and then they keep going, but then they feel like God's calling to the, them to something, and they delay. They delay obedience long enough that they get stalled. And if you stall too long, you get stuck. And you know that God's calling you to more, and you see people in your church, you see other believers going for more, but you're somehow stalled. And even though you want to get to that further spot, you have to go back to what God already asked you to do. And so we're starting to see that people are doing this. But what we've also noticed is that when you are obedient in the, in the little things and the big things, when you just say yes and what was the question... If that's your posture, then actually you build momentum. And so whether the thing is hard or not, you're just saying, yes, Jesus, I'm, I'm your, your follower. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to go wherever. And, and whatever it takes, I'm going to keep moving closer to you and, and in obedience to you. Now, when we do that together, then the church has momentum. And then we get to do that together and we get to continue. What we were learning last week is that what, what we believe is that following Jesus is believing that what you're moving toward Actually, who you're moving toward is much greater than what you're leaving behind. That's what following Jesus is all about. It's that long obedience in the same direction. Something I've noticed as I've been studying Mark, I've, I've been in this for quite a while, and what I love about it, there's this theme that, that commentators keep bringing up of on the way. 
as in from the beginning of the book, it, it's really like Jesus is on the way, and he's bringing people on the way, and he's on the way to the cross, and he's bringing people along, and it's much more than that. But he's on the way to Jerusalem, and as we looked at a few weeks ago, he's on the, the way, unfortunately, to betrayal, to beating, to death. But this marks out what Isaiah says in Isaiah 50, verse 7. It says, I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. And so Jesus sets out as this humble servant going toward what the Father has for him in obedience to him. Remember what he said in the garden. Father, if there's any way you can, you can take this from me, you know, if there's anything else, please, please do it. But not my will, your will be done. And he set his face like a stone towards Jerusalem and went. We learn in, in Mark just earlier from the passage we're about to read that he says as he's predicting his death, Jesus says they will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. And we were just celebrating that together. Unfortunately, and what I've read in Luke in studying the passage we're about to look at, but they didn't understand any of this. He was sharing this with his disciples, but Luke accounts for it this way. They didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. I want us to dive into the core passage for today, and then I'll explain kind of where I think God's taking us today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Kind of a turning point here, uh, starting at verse 42. So Jesus called them together, and I'll explain why he called them together in a moment. But he called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be slave of everyone else. And here is the purpose of Jesus' coming. For even the Son of Man, that's that humble title he used for himself, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I say praise God to that. Father, we thank you so much for the time we've already come into your presence. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship and be reminded of your sacrifice and what you've already done for us. And now we do pray you, you'd meet us here in a special way. We've come in not, not simply just to, to attend and not, not just to take notes, but, but really to be changed. We don't want to leave the same way we came in. We want to grow closer to you as we're in this place. We're listening to your word. We're listening to your spirit prompt us. And so whatever it is you're calling us to, would you help us, would you encourage us to just say yes? Now what was the question? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this is the context. What happened is kind of a funny situation. Last week, remember, we were learning that Jesus, he's walking along the shore. He sees a couple brothers. Remember the brothers, Andrew and Simon Peter? He's the one that, that he originally said, come and, and, and see, just, just come check things out. And then he looked at, at Andrew's brother, Simon. Yeah, your name is Simon, but you're going to be called Peter. He went from that Simon, that reed that kind of moves, it flows back and forth in the water to Cephas, which is rock in Greek, that's solid. And although he didn't always appear solid, there was a, a dramatic change in his life. But then he continued down the path and he sees the sons of Zebedee and he, he sees James and, and John and he says to them, that's what this third chair is all about, uh, come follow me, I'm going to show you how to fish for people. And what did they do? 
Well, they left their nets, they left their boat, they left their father, and they followed after Jesus. Now, what's interesting a little bit later here is that they approach um, Jesus and they say, Teacher, uh, we want you to do us a favor. Well, what's funny about this is in Matthew's account, in uh, Matthew 20, verse 20, it actually says that their mother came and knelt before Jesus. Now, I don't know if, if, if you've ever been in this situation at school where maybe your mom goes to plead on your case, but th- this is, is not really, yeah, Kim's nodding her head. She's been there. The moms come and, and say, please, could you do this for my child? So their, their own mother goes. Zebedee, you know where he is, right? He, he's got to take on the boat for himself. He's trying to find some new sons, I guess, but, but in this case, their mother is going to, to plead, but in, in Mark's account, it doesn't mention her. Maybe they let, them, they let them off the hook so it wouldn't be quite so embarrassing. But they said, teacher, we want you to do us a favor. And so I, I want us to think about that. First of all, teacher is, is one of those terms. Sometimes it says rabbi, but the idea of coming to Jesus and saying teacher, but then not actually treating him like a teacher, as in coming towards him, approaching him for requests, rather, or, or in this case, they have failed to listen to him as an actual teacher. Have we ever done the same? What I've thought about this week is that if he is actually our teacher, then we are his students. If he is our master, then we are actually his apprentices. And if he is our king, then we are his servants. But sometimes we come before him and we say, teacher, Actually, I have a favor to ask of you. And sometimes it's appropriate to come and ask a question, but if we have failed to actually listen to him as teacher and respond to him, this is kind of why we're doing this series, is that all of us, no matter what point we're at, no matter what chair we might currently be at or what micro step in between, all of us have a moment uh, of feeling like God is prompting us or calling us to something, or we have to go back to the thing he already called us in and we've just kind of delayed too long. We need to go back to that thing and be obedient. If he is teacher, then we are his students, and we need to respond likewise. What one commentator says as, as um, the guys are, are coming, and then, as you can imagine, they're coming in private, and, and then all of a sudden, Jesus lets everyone know, this is a moment where I'm, I'm going to teach the whole group of you. Uh, imagine what's happening here, because they're actually asking that they could sit at the right and left of Jesus. Remember, he had just shared, uh, this is what's gonna happen to me. They're gonna mock me, they're gonna spit on me, they're gonna flog me with a, a whip, even kill me. But three days later, I'm gonna rise. They jump, they fast forward to this, this coming kingdom, and they actually want to sit at the right or left uh, of, of Jesus. And he's like, I don't think you understand really what you're asking, what the request is. And it's this awkward kind of encounter where it's a teachable moment What Edwards says, James R. Edwards Jr., he writes, they are quick to claim the benefits of God's kingdom, but slow to hear the costs of participating in it. As Kenzie and I were talking about this earlier, we were like, ooh, I didn't say that. He said it. Like, blame it on him. Please, please don't. If you're, if you're offended, though, you can send your, your emails to Kenzie at crosspointchurch.ca. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's really on him. So thank you for taking that, Kenzie. But what Jesus is trying to get at here is that it's a renewed call to discipleship, but it includes sacrifice and it includes suffering. 
And so as he calls us, at first it's come and see, and you get to just see who Jesus is. And then when you realize who he is, you have this opportunity when you sense him calling, and he could be calling you right now saying, follow me, be my disciple. I say you should take him up at that. And then it continues from there when he's saying to these guys who were fishermen, come follow me, I'm going to show you how to fish for people. That's, that's continued obedience. And later, remember, after his resurrection, when he meets them in Galilee, he's telling them, listen, I've been given all authority, and this is what I'm sending you to do. Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's happening here is that there's actually continued Sacrifice. There's continued suffering. Uh, all of these, all of these followers, all these disciples who become apostles, uh, they're going to suffer in a, in a great way, uh, but for a great purpose. And that's why we are here today. They were willing to actually count that cost. And this moment, though, it's a teachable moment. That's kind of awkward for James and John. Doesn't look so good uh, on them. Uh, whether it's them coming and making the request on their own, or as Matthew accounts, their mom is actually making the request. Can you imagine Peter? hearing of that. Are you guys kidding? Are you, are you serious right now? Is this really what's happening? And they don't even understand the full context, but our whole point today is that we need to understand, uh, although some of us might be quick to claim the benefits, we have to understand there is a cost to following Jesus. So I would say it's not about our benefits, but it's about how we can benefit. In this case, how can we benefit the church? Or, or another way to phrase it is, what can we do to help others become more like Christ? We're going to close with a song in a few minutes called More Like Jesus. And, and really this whole process isn't just for us to do things for the king, but us to become more like him. And so the whole idea of, of discipleship isn't just to do things. It's actually to become more like Jesus. And so we've thought about this since the fall. How can I help? How can we help someone else give their whole life to Jesus? Wouldn't that be a purposeful, a mission-oriented, wouldn't that be vision? If we're thinking about praying for our city as we have a map out in the lobby and we're praying for all these places and there's some places that it, I don't even know how to spell Russia Gornish, but we've like written it down and we've posted it approximately where it is. Pentiac's a little easier and, and, uh, and tame out and all, the, all that. We're, we're going everywhere. We're, we're going to pray. But if we could pray the best thing for our neighbor... If we could pray the best thing for the person sitting next to us, wouldn't it be that they would give their whole life to Jesus? What's better than that? Just complete sacrifice, com complete obedience, complete surrender to Jesus. But sometimes we're quick to look at just the benefits and we forget that there's a cost of following him. But how can I help someone else give their whole life to Jesus? That's the question. And I want you to know that this is actually also a, a next step. We, we believe that uh, membership's an important part of ministry in a local church. And so we want you to know that we have a, a membership class coming up. I, I love, I've participated in these uh, for a number of years. I've, I've led several of them. Uh, in the fall was the last one I got to lead, and, and we have someone uh, new ready to be a member. Um, I, I was looking at this earlier when Kenzie was announcing it, and I was noticing how I used to look like the guy, the, the blonde one with the glasses there, but now I look more like the guy with the red. And the, I guess I don't have a goatee, but it looks a little bit more like Heisenberg. But any, anyway... 
it's just funny how things go. But if we had this many people for membership class, I, I'd call that a win. And so you're all invited. Uh, it's free to attend. We're going to do it in here. Uh, one of the benefits of it doing it in person is there's a chance to have some nuance. There's a chance for us to go through what we believe, what it means to be a member, uh, but also to have Q&A. Sometimes that's been the most helpful part. We're going to have tea and coffee on. We're going to have some treats. It's open to all ages. And so if you've been wondering about this, I'd love for you to come along. Uh, one thing that I, I won't spend too much time on this morning, but more on that Saturday, is there's this idea of believe, belong, and behave, as in we're, we're talking a lot about what we believe, what's the same about what we believe, about who God is and, and what he's calling us to. There's a sense of belonging. Membership should, should help you to feel like uh, we're a part of something together, and ultimately we are when we're in Christ. But then the behavior comes next. We've been also talking about this, this process of becoming more like Jesus, and so the behavior should come in that order. So the, the believe, and then you get to belong, and then you get to behave. And I heard someone put it this way in John Wesley's words that it's kind of this word picture of repentance is the porch, justification is the door, and sanctification is the house. We were just singing like that. Would, would God come and, and mold us into what he wants us to be? And he wants us to be more like Jesus. And so repentance is this porch, that turning. Remember what we were looking at even last week, that it's, it's also a, a change of mind, but it's really a, a turning around. You're, you're going in one direction, and you sense that you should turn, not to nothing, but to someone. And so you're turning from sin in your old ways, in your old life, and you're turning towards Jesus. You're turning towards God. And then justification, Jesus did this work for us. We get to receive it. But sanctification is him making us holy, him making us more like him. But the challenge is, as we're looking at this text now, I was thinking, like, how am I going to incorporate membership? Um, some, sometimes you start with the scripture first. Sometimes you start with the topic next. And so as we were looking at this series, we thought this was an appropriate time to talk about membership being a next step, uh, give you an opportunity to, to invite you out to, to a class where we could go through the material. Uh, but I thought about this in, in this context. And I think if I could relate our text today and some of the principles principles behind it uh, to, to what we're actually challenged with in membership is this. Members have rights, but owners have responsibilities. And so that's another one where it's like, if you're offended, please, again, Kenzie's email is kenzie at crosspointchurch.ca. You can, you can, you know, no, I, I wrote that. You can send it directly to me. But members have rights. Often members, it's all about the benefits that you get from, from enrolling in something. But owners have responsibilities. I remember hearing this conversation, uh, Craig Rochelle, um, who is a pastor, but he also teaches on leadership. He said how he went to this, this restaurant chain. And as he was waiting, he could see this man frantically getting all these things together, and it seemed like he was taking care of way too much. And so when he had the opportunity to come up to him, he said, how long have you owned this restaurant? And the guy said, he was looking to see if he had a name tag on or something. How did you know I was the owner? He's like, because just workers wouldn't care this much, is what he was getting at. The, the guy was taking care of everything. Someone had called in sick, and he, he started venting to Craig, saying like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I have to do this, I have to do that. He's like, yeah, well... It's because owners are responsible. There needs to be someone who's responsible at the end of the day. 
Well, when I've seen this in, in healthy churches is that many people feel like it's not just the pastor's responsibility, it's not just someone on the board's responsibility, it's not just someone in a position of leadership, it's not just their responsibility, although it is theirs too, it's that many people find like it's not just what I can get out of it, it's how can I give, how can I offer help, how can I treat it as though it's my own home? You know, and so this is uh, really challenging, but, but owners would actually say, whatever needs to be done, whenever, I'll, I'll just do it. And I've seen over the years how many of you actually take up that heart and take up um, that, that kind of responsibility. Responsibility is greater than rights, and, and, and it's an idea that kind of makes me think of John the Baptist too. But as responsibility increases, actually rights decrease. And so sometimes people think, and in this last year, people have talked to me and asked me lots of different uh, thoughts about what, what I think about this role. Well, well as the responsibilities grow, the, the rights decrease. And, and I think what, why we get frustrated sometimes with leaders in the world is that sometimes they try to take more and more rights instead of more and more responsibility. I would say let's flip that. And that's kind of what Jesus is trying to get across to his guys in this passage. But this is what I've shared with our staff for, for almost a year now, is that we ought to act like an owner, but be humble enough to know that we're not. Do you know the difference? You know, act like an owner, but realize our, our hands have to be open. There's a history in this church this spring of, of 129 years. Um, it, it's interesting, I look back through some of the old records, and the second pastor here had the last name Sherwood. I haven't done all the, all the checking there, but I won't get him in trouble for anything, and hopefully he doesn't get me in trouble for anything either. But, but the point, there, there's going to be more, more pastors. There's going to be a long line until Jesus returns. But we have to actually uh, treat the place, all of us like we are owners here, but be humble enough to know that we're not, have open hands with, with everything that God gives us. Here's what Jesus is trying to get across to us, is not so with you. As he shares, you know that the rulers of the world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. We, we know this to be true. We see it in the news. If you just read news, uh, it'll find you. You'll, you'll find this. But Jesus is essentially saying, but it will be different among you, it will be different. And not just in the future, but in the original language, it's better to say not so with you as in like right now, it's not so with you. And so is that a reality? Do you think that that's, that's true among us? He's saying among you, it will be different. It does need to be different too, but it should be even in the moment. The idea that he's getting across here is that whoever wants to be First among you must be slave of everyone else. It's so extreme here because slave would have been the last and the lowest in, in hierarchy. And so people, some, some would say that they must have snickered or they must have laughed or sh they must have been shaking their heads while Jesus was saying this. It's like, that's, that's crazy. Is that a joke? Uh, so what he's trying to get around here is, is that a leader is meant to be a servant. He shares this so many times in so many different ways to his disciples are we picking up on this message? Is he our teacher? Will we be a student in this way? Is he our master? Will we be an apprentice? And actually, instead of trying to take the lead and take rights, will we actually take on more responsibility? That's the challenge. And so I know now you're really excited to come to membership class. That sounds really fun. Yeah, how can I be more responsible? Well, but this is part of, of discipleship. It's part of realizing that by the time you get to this spot here, you're not just serving yourself, you're actually serving others. 
and you're, you're worried and you're concerned that others need to come and see Jesus. They need to have the opportunity to come and follow him. And you know that they need to be obedient too and grow up and, and start to serve. And they know that you know that they, we actually all need to become a disciple who makes another disciple. And that disciple makes another disciple and it goes on. That's what a true disciple maker is. And so that's what we're called to do to help others give their whole lives to Jesus. Jesus wraps up this whole thing to, to talk about his own purpose, and this is the ultimate way to, to describe and to be an example to, to his disciples in, in this moment, in this teaching. In verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think some struggle with, with the English. It's often written there as many, as though it's, it's just like a large amount, but not necessarily everyone. Uh, but in the original language, it really does mean the word there is, is in, inclusive of, of all people. And so I, I need you to know it's not just, well, well many, that's pretty good. No, it's all. It's, it's, it's everyone. And the idea here is, Ransom, we often only think of it in, in stories and in, in movies and, and sometimes in extreme news articles where, where someone's actually been kidnapped and then there needs to be a ransom. Well, what, what, is, what is ransom? Well, it's, it's to buy the freedom of a slave or a prisoner. And then we were just singing, we were just celebrating actually of, of where we used to be, but look where my chains are now. We were just singing that together. What a great reminder Ransom is why Jesus came. The Son of Man, in this humble way, came not to be served, although he's worthy of our service. In, in his life mission, it was actually to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He had just predicted his death. The guys didn't totally grasp what he was getting at. But he's trying to share, no, like, this, is, this is something I, I need you to know. And that he's doing it ultimately for, for a greater purpose but likewise, we should have that same humility. We should take on that attitude of Jesus. And before we sing together in Timothy, uh, it, it brings to mind Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, 2, 5, and 6. Paul writes, For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone, this is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And perhaps someone's hearing this, or, or just this morning as we were singing, I realized that there, there was a, a few songs that they came to me at just the right time. Uh, it seemed to be at the right moment where I, I'm ready to worship, but then there's a, there's a line that just wrecks me. Do you ever have that? Or, or for instance, someone comes and encourages you or, or comes to pray with you at just the right time. But in this case, it's so much better than that. This message, it's not just the message, it's that he actually did this. Jesus did this for us. Is, is that coming to you at just the right time? Are you hearing this when you need to hear it? Are you hearing the good news that Jesus actually did this for you? And so whether it's about our membership or not, it's actually about something that he did for all, not just those of us in this room. He came to buy freedom for us. And so there are actually great benefits, but we also need to count the cost. Father, I thank you so much for uh, this series and the way that you've been helping us, each of us, to be obedient to you and to take those next steps, no matter how small or how big they might seem. And so I pray that you would continue 
uh, to encourage those, uh, all of us who need to take a step uh, in obedience with you to become more like you. And so we, we do offer ourselves, we do surrender to you now. And, and we also pray, how can you use us? How, how can we increase in our service of others? How can we lead people to grow closer to you, to, to not just come and see, but ultimately to give their whole lives to you? Would you use us in that way, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.